Let's be real. We're not being completely honest about motherhood. Sure, we all talk about how we hate the sleepless nights, the breastfeeding, how our partner doesn't help us enough, and the toddler meltdowns. But I want to know what's going on with you. I'm Michelle Mansfield, author and founder of The Honest Mom Project. On this podcast, we're going to talk about the motherhood shit that no one talks about, not even your best friend. Come join special guests, mom friends, and myself as we share our stories with love, honesty, humor, and definitely a few appearances from my potty mouth. Let's validate what we're all going through so we can acknowledge each of our own feelings with confidence. Let's start being honest moms with each other. Welcome to the Honest Mom Podcast. Welcome back to the Honest Mom Podcast. I am your host, Michelle Mansfield, and we are back with a very interesting topic that is close to my heart, like all of these may be close to yours. I will do a bit of a disclaimer here because this is a very sensitive topic. I am not here with this episode to diagnose anyone, to judge anyone, to prescribe anything, to tell you what to do and how to handle your life. I'm here just with some tidbits, experience, knowledge, resources for you to be curious, for you to make your own decisions and reach out to professional help if you feel you need it. So just know this is a judgment-free zone. This would be as if you were sitting on my couch as my best friend, sitting on the couch having a cup of coffee or you know tea, whatever, and just you know shooting the shit like I say every week. So just know I'm here with love. I'm here with zero judgment. I am here not to also, um, you know, tell you what's going on in your life. You're the only one who knows that. And I'm not here to label myself nor anyone throughout this episode. All right. So what is this episode about? This episode is all about the mommy wine culture that has been created through the years. And the reason why I chose to talk about this topic um, I don't want this to be a, an episode of right versus wrong because it's not a black and white topic. So again, there are no judgments on the show ever. And we're simply talking about how the mommy wine culture has taken over motherhood for some people. Like anything in life, I tell this to my daughter, Brooklyn, um, like anything in life, even if it's good, you know, you don't want to eat 8 million oranges or drink 7,000 gallons of water. Too much of anything can end up messy in your life. I've seen some people in my life that saw alcohol as their escape. And the sole reason to drink was to ease anxiety, stress, and to escape their world for the night or the day. <laughs> I've seen families affected by these situations, which includes mine. Okay. Drinking is part of our culture and many cultures, and there are those that don't see alcohol as a means to escape, but I feel that as mothers, we can be trapped with so many emotions, stressors, situations beyond our control where we don't know where to turn. We don't have the tools or help to support us, and we don't even know where to start at times. So the memes that are out there, the t-shirts, wine glasses, and millions of posts, 
and Instagram accounts all about mommy wine time, we may feel that that's the answer. Everyone else is doing it. Looks like it's working. What else is there? Today's episode is for you if you're just simply curious about mommy wine culture in your motherhood. All right, so we start out with a mom card drawing from our Be Strong pile. This woman is an American journalist. I did have to look her up. And her name is Mignon McLaughlin. And she uh, was born in the early 1900s. So she's no longer with us, but she has a great quote here that I think will do very well throughout this episode. The quote is, courage can't see around corners, but goes around them anyway. Oh my God, that is so good. Courage can't see around corners, but goes around them anyways. Oh my gosh, that is amazing. I know what you're probably thinking, and I think this is great for this episode, but the courage for change, the courage to be curious even, or acknowledge anything that's going on in your life or something that just isn't sitting right, you could be afraid to look around that corner, but the world of courage, you go around that corner anyways. And I want you to know here on this podcast, the Honest Mom podcast, you have my support. You have a community of people to support you, whether it's on my Facebook group or just the two of us, you reaching out to me on your own. So I'm going to have that quote in the show notes as always. And I may post this on my Instagram page today because it is that good. All right. So my history with this topic, um, I do have an interesting history that goes in all different directions, but uh, my history, I started, uh, let's start with this. My father and my grandparents on my father's side were all alcoholics. Um, I don't know if my grandparents were diagnosed. Um, I know my grandmother, I witnessed things up to the day she, she passed that were, you know, it was hard. Um, looking back at the time, you're like, what's going on? And you're young and you don't know. But uh, when you look back, it makes sense. My father, um, he passed away. Gosh, it's coming up on five years this summer. And he struggled with alcoholism. Uh, gosh, he had his first drink in college. He grew up in a very strict environment. And he took his first sip and he was honest with me one time. I remember he said, I couldn't stop. My father struggled with anxiety, heavy anxiety. He had a high pressure job. He was a successful attorney in the city in Chicago. One of the top trial attorneys in Chicago, amazing law firm. He could have been, his career could have been incredible. It already was when he started really struggling with alcohol and other things that came you know, from that. So I had to be aware um, of my vulnerability to that. And I remember my mom saying when I left my house for the University of Iowa, and she said, you know, I can't be there with you to monitor anything, but I just want you to listen to that voice inside and just to pay attention. And she, told me there was to be this feeling in the back of my throat that was going to tell, that would tell me like when to stop. 
you know, that night, for example. And I always remembered that feeling. And you all know, it's like, if you went to college, if you had a crazy life of drinking, which I did, I drank throughout high school. We were hanging out with the older crowd from the day I started my freshman year of high school. We were hanging out with seniors. I mean, I I don't know. If my daughter came to me and told me she was hanging out with seniors, at this point, I don't know what I would do, but um, probably what my mom did. It's like, what can you do? You know, they're going to figure out a way to get to them anyways. So we started, you know, my friends and I started drinking, you know, our freshman year. We we tried it in, in middle school, but then, you know, drinking was a part of everything every weekend, you know, every festivity, um, you know, parties, you, you know, bonfires, all that stuff. And then we went to, you know, I went to college. It continued and amplified because I didn't have a house to go back to with a mother that was sitting up waiting for me. Uh, so it got pretty, not concerning, but uh, it got pretty aggressive, my drinking. Um, I could control it though. It was weird. My friends constantly told me, they're like, Michelle, well, they called me Happy. That's my maiden name. They're like, Happy, you can like drink all night and we can never tell that you're wasted, which I don't know if that was a compliment or something kind of scary. And it was true. I wasn't the girl in in college that blacked out, threw up, fell down. Um, I was the girl dancing on tables and pulling my shirt up. I'll tell you that much, but um, I really handled my alcohol well, which kind of looking back, I don't know if that was a good thing, you know, like, oh, you you can handle yourself. But after college, I continued my drinking. I was in my twenties living in the city with my girlfriends and we were partiers. We drank at night. We drank after work. We drank on the weekends. We were hung over all weekend. We were hung over on Thursday mornings and we thought it was normal because everyone else was doing it. Everyone I knew drank. I didn't know anyone that didn't drink except for my friend, Amy, but she wasn't living in the suburbs or I'm sorry, she was living in the suburbs and already having kids. So I just, you know, didn't even think about, but everyone else was drinking and drinking as much as I was, if not more. I look back to going back again to high school. I was voted one of the three girls in our class, our senior year in our yearbook, I was voted life of the party. And then I was in the top three. I think I was the first one. I was number one in most unforgettable. And I associated both of those titles with my skill to party to, you know, smoke pot, drink, and, you know, smoke cigarettes. And those were the three qualifications, mostly drinking and smoking cigarettes. I wasn't a big pot smoker, mainly because it didn't mix well with drinking for me. Um, I remember then when I met my husband, Bobby, who isn't a drinker, he'll have like a cocktail at a wedding. Like he's not completely, you know, doesn't drink, but he is just not a big drinker. Mainly it's kind of a funny reason. He already at night has to go to the bathroom a couple times a night. And he said, even if he has one drink, he pees all night. He feels he's like up all the night. And then he also metabolizes things super quickly. So he said he would lose his buzz within like five minutes of drinking a drink. So he's like, it's not even worth it. Like, and I would watch him 
I don't, he doesn't like the taste of alcohol either. Even like a vodka seven, he would try thinking the sugary would, you know, he likes my, he, I will, uh, I'll say this though. He does love like Mai Tais and like pina coladas, like those, you know, Polynesian vacation drinks, you know, go to a, like a, a Japanese cooking table place and get a Mai Tai. Um, but he says like, you know, he loses his buzz within, you know, five minutes. And then most drinks, like I was going to start saying he has this face, like he's drinking urine. And I'm like, don't force it just to be at this wedding and drink like everyone else's. And that's the thing. Like a lot of times I would feel like I needed to have a drink because everyone else was, or it was a certain occasion, a wedding, a celebration, new year's, whatever, do a shot, do this cheers you know it's someone's birthday it's this it's that um I wasn't really concerned um about my drinking until like gosh my husband did bring up some things it started getting to me when I would drink excessively like I did back in college these would be situations though like I was standing up in a wedding um, or just like a long weekend away with friends and husbands where we, we'd be day drinking and doing, you know, and drinking and drinking. And it just, my body wasn't used to that anymore than, you know, at that point, you know, in my thirties and married, I didn't have Brooklyn yet, but I started blacking out, um, not remembering things. My husband would tell me things that I would tell him and they weren't very nice. And I literally would sit there and think he was lying and I wouldn't remember any of it, which was scary because that never had happened to me. Even in, like I said, in college, when I was binge drinking and he started calling that wedding Chardonnay champagne, he started calling it angry juice because I would all of a sudden turn into the Hulk. I wasn't violent or anything, but I started out being annoyed and snippy with him. And then I just, and, you know, I was irritated and I took it out on him and he's like, why don't you yell or talk to any of your friends like this at the wedding? why is it just me? And I, I didn't have an answer. So I really had to check in on my drinking with, you know, at that point. And luckily I wasn't going to weddings every month, but it was like this stage of our lives where most of my friends were getting married and we got married. And it was like, you know, it was a slew of all these like things that we were all doing before we all started having kids, you know, you know, the weekends away and you guys, you know, you start drinking mimosas and then it's beers and this and that. And next thing you know, it's eight o'clock and you're hammered. And then you're yelling at your husband, <laughs> angry juice. I'll just leave it at that. So I wasn't, when I became a mother, I wasn't really concerned about my social drinking with my friends. Um, Cause I usually capped it at like two drinks. I would go to a play date. I could count on my hand how many playdates I would go to where there were mimosas involved. And if I did have one, it was just one. But one thing that did concern me about my drinking was I think it started happening more in the toddler area and four years old up to that, where I found myself grocery shopping at Trader Joe's and picking up a couple bottles of red because the white was angry juice. So let's see if the red is any better. I mean, I know you can feel me where you switch alcohols thinking like, oh, well maybe this one will be better. I'll give up wine and just drink 
anything clear, <laughs> you know? So anyways, I found myself buying, you know, the two buck Chuck bottles um, at Trader Joe's and nursing it as I made my dinner throughout the week, you know, especially if I had quote unquote a day and I wasn't handling things well. I didn't know really what to do. I wasn't in therapy at that time. I don't know what I was going through now that I look back where it was just strange for me to be nursing and I would start to hide it. Like I'd put it in a glass that wasn't clear so that my husband wasn't like, well, what it, you know, like, oh, you're drinking wine. And he didn't care. You know, he wasn't, you know, concerned or anything, but why was I hiding it all of a sudden? I would pour it in confidence in like, a, you know, a mug or a glass that you couldn't tell what it was. And as I was cooking busily, I just, you know, sip, sip, sip. And that was just weird for me because it was new and I was using it as a stress relief. And it just took me back to my dad. And when he with his anxiety and stress and worry he had, whether it was about his job, family, anything. And my dad, you know, wasn't, I'm blessed that he wasn't an aggressive drunk. He was more of that. I fell asleep on the train and my mom would have to pick him up like three towns away drunk, um, sleeping on his couch, you know, in his office, missing, a, you know, late for a trial, that kind of thing where it was, I just flashed to that of like, that's how my dad dealt with stress. And this is how I'm dealing with stress right now. And it was just something I was curious about. I stopped drinking completely last July, July of 2021, because of health reasons. And the health reasons aren't anything dramatic, but it did, it was a reality check. It was my, initially it was my sleep. My sleep was dramatically being affected. I was waking up at, a, I was falling asleep. Okay. So we think that alcohol is this depressant and helps you just takes the edge off and relaxes you and you're off to sleep. The problem is, is that alcohol then jolts that metabolism, whether it's the sugars in the alcohol um, or the alcohol and other things in general, which boost up that cortisol at that 11 o'clock hour, if you're like me, or maybe it's 1am and you cannot go back to sleep for like at least an hour or two. Your mind is racing. Your heart is racing. I felt like I had coffee in me. That's how weird it was. I also then started paying attention. I had this weird, like boom, like feeling in my chest at night when I would be laying on my back, almost as if my heart was like something was going on with my heart. It was this thumping, weird, skipping feeling. And I started taking my pulse. And this is after one or two glasses of wine, even one glass of wine or vodka or Prosecco. And I would take my pulse. And when I would get that physical feeling in my chest, my pulse, it skipped a beat and it freaked the shit out of me. I coincidentally had my physical, my annual physical shortly after, you know, I was monitoring this and talked to my doctor about it. And she educated me briefly about me getting older. <laughs> I was, you know, 40 over 40 
and the world of perimenopause, hormonal changes, menopause eventually, and how women's bodies can react to alcohol at a certain stage in their life. And for some reason, my body was just not reacting well. I was waking up then in the morning with heavy anxiety, almost a panic tightened feeling in my chest, um, jittery, tingly. And then I was drinking coffee on an empty stomach that morning on top of it. So talk about triple anxiety. And when I told her about that as well, you know, she said that makes sense with what I'm talking about with hormones, your body changing, and you know, you already are prone to anxiety and depression. So this is just kind of amplifying it and sticking that electricity into it. So I read an amazing book. Gosh, how many years ago was that? It was 2018. So over four years ago, and it was called The Hormone Cure. I was teaching women about with two other amazing practitioners about the world of perimenopause and how to strive through it. And one of the things that um, we talk, that the book talks about is the effects of alcohol on women's bodies, especially when they're going through hormonal change. So this book is by Dr. Sarah Gottfried. She's a medical doctor and OBGYN, and it's called The Hormone Cure. I will put a link in the show notes to that. And it just, I read it again <laughs> this past year when I gave up alcohol. And I also started seeing a therapist who I've talked about. She is a coach, um, my coach, and she, her name is Tiffany Louise, and she helped me get through the mental challenges that I had with breaking up with alcohol, the possibility of that. And I just was curious and wanted to start talking about it. And through that therapy with her, I've learned how to live without drinking, that I was still fun, witty. I was still life of the party and my identity was still there. So I'll you know, be talking about my experiences throughout this episode. But I wanted just to initially, you know, get the conversation started about where I came from and why this is close to my heart. We're going to have a guest uh, episode with this as well. So stay tuned for that. And maybe a couple guests, because we've got some amazing women out there that I've encountered that don't make it shameful, you know, and they don't make it seem icky to either lessen, be aware or give up alcohol completely. It's a personal decision and we can't sit here and all we can do is have conversations and inside figure out what works best, you know, for us. But one of the things that, um, I've become a little bit more sensitive to, not to a point where I'm like, you know, picketing outside with torches and, and, and trying to ban this. I do believe in freedom of speech and that everyone interprets messages differently and has feelings about different feelings about messages. And my feeling about something could be completely different than someone else's. And I used to laugh at this stuff that I'm going to be talking about right now, but now I'm kind of like, I mean, I'm not like, you know, put my middle finger up, but I'm also kind of like, do we really need to be doing this that much? Or I'm just not resonating with it anymore. I don't find it funny anymore because I've spoken to so many women that are affected tremendously by this mommy wine culture. So there's, you know, there's jokes inherent to the mommy wine culture. You know, we sit there on the memes and talk about how our kids are terrible, they're uncontrollable, they're boring, they're annoying, kids are clingy, and you need wine to just cope. I found, I'm, 
I've talked about this before. I'm a huge Center at Live junkie. I found a um, an episode. I don't know. Oh, it was from 2021. This past, uh, I think, this past spring, 2021. So in the heart of the pandemic, when this mommy wine culture and mommy drinking has increased tremendously, I'm not going to even tell you the statistics. We just need to know and be aware that it has increased tremendously. And you know, you can kind of understand why. But this Saturday Night Live sketch is a birthday party where the birth, and it is kind of funny, the birthday mom, uh, you know, they're all surrounding her with their bags of gifts and the gifts are, (laughs) she gets dozens of wooden signs, you know, the wooden signs like live life, love, you know, dance like no one's watching, et cetera, et cetera. Um, she gets dozens of wooden signs about drinking that progressively get worse with each gift bag. So this sketch was catered to the pandemic, the statistics that are out there, the memes, the t-shirts, the wine glasses with, etch- you know, whatever message on them, the coffee mugs, <laughs> sweatshirts, you know, I'm sure there's care packages on Etsy you can buy. Um, catering to this subject, but they get worse with each gift bag. So more aggressive, more descriptive, longer, things even start flipping down with more messages and she gets, you know, progressively angrier with them too. Like, what are you guys saying? (laughs) So like the signs go from, for example, wine gets better with age. I get better with wine, you know, easy enough. But as the sketch goes, like middle of the sketch, she pulls out one and she's getting more and more irritated. And this one says, I put wine bottles in other people's recycling bins. So the garbage man won't know how much I go through in a week. Now, yes, was the audience laughing? Was there a little chuckle in me or how clever or witty that is? Maybe, but I also, my heart sinks a little bit for women that I've met that have done that and have struggled like that and why why are we making a joke about that why are we making jokes about needing you know a substance to cope um we can joke about how our kids are you know i mean my daughter could be annoying my daughter as a toddler and a newborn drove me crazy you know i love joking we can all joke about it with our friends but are we taking it too far with the world of alcohol and will it go above that ever i mean do we joke about cocaine like oh just snort a few lines if you haven't slept in 3 days with your newborn you know do we see something like that you know, oh, just take a few hits and, you know, your toddler days will be, you know, whatever. And so it's like, you kind of got to think, I like the snorting lines, like regarding sleep um, deprivation, uh, especially in the newborn phase. So it's like wine, yes, isn't illegal. Vodka isn't illegal. Tequila isn't illegal, but it is a substance and we aren't handling it. Many of us aren't handling it well. So let's talk more about maybe why this is happening because binge drinking is on the rise, especially, you know, these past two years. But I, in my opinion, I think it's always been a part of motherhood. It's like anything we see on the news. um, A lot of things, you know, my friends and I, for example, whether it's something, some crime related thing in the city, um, 
anything on the news that's just kind of like crazy, whether it's, you know, a shooting, an abduction, all these things on the news. I, you know, I, I tell my friends, we all kind of agree on this, that a lot of this stuff has always happened. We just see it 24 hours a day now. And it's on the news all the time. It's on social media. We're exposed to a lot more. There's been kidnappings, shootings. There's been, you know, there were school shootings in the 1800s. You know, there were um, a lot of the stuff that, you know, we see on television, all of these like world divisions of populations. I mean, just go back, you know, not even a hundred years ago. And we have stuff that's just in our face now constantly. And I feel that's the way about this mommy wine culture. I think women were doing the same thing back in the fifties, the sixties, and no one knew about it. You know, no one knew about affairs that, you know, people were having in their marriages or someone was getting abused physically. My grandmother tells me tons of stories and you just didn't talk about it. Um, you know, there were people that drank a lot. There were people that drank too much. There were mothers that probably hit it and had just like the same amount of stress that we have just in different forms back then. You know, we have different things going on in our lives. So it's not like exactly the same world, but motherhood in general is stressful, whether it was in the fifties or in the 2020s. So I just feel like it's always been around and we're just talking about it now. And one interesting thing is, you know, I, I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, it's that it, this isn't a black and white conversation here. It's not about I don't want to label anyone. I was watching a segment, a Megyn Kelly segment um, when she had her show back in the day. And a friend of mine, Kelly Kitley, which I will link her in the show notes because she's got amazing stuff out there. She was being interviewed by Megyn Kelly. And, you know, Megyn Kelly's like, are we labeling people as alcoholics? And no, not, we're not. Why do we have to associate the label? It's kind of like, there's a lot of gray in, in this and I fall into that gray area. For me, it's just not black and white. There were certain situations, feelings and desires and reasons why I drank and some things worked socially with friends, a couple of drinks, totally harmless, but some things for me were not working, you know, drinking while I was cooking and making it a nightly habit as well as... <laughs> you know, my physical body just saying, uh, alcohol is just not working for you right now. We're also, I will, you know, I'll cut us all some slack. We are a culture obsessed with alcohol marketing, the way we market alcohol, the way it's labeled as you're, you know, everyone's having a good time. Everyone's dancing. Everyone's fun. Everyone's enjoying it. Vacation, parties, tailgating, so many things revolve around drinking and the drink is just brought into everything and including mommy playdates at 10 in the morning. It's like, why not? And it's just in our face all the time. And we have also social media and mommy influencers out there tossing out some memes, talking about how challenging motherhood is and making a joke and slamming this insanely huge big glass of wine 
And it's like, why are we messaging this? Why do we think this is cool, funny? I don't know. I want you to tell me because I don't know why we're glamorizing this so much and something that could really go down a slippery slope without someone realizing it and paying attention to these messages out there, especially with our kids, you know, and I, I have really candid conversations with Brooklyn about, you know, alcohol isn't evil. I don't believe alcohol is evil. I don't look at my friends that drink and be like, oh, I can't believe she's drinking. When I stopped drinking, my friends that supported me were like, well, do you mind if we drink? And if you saw my reel on my Instagram, this was like, gosh, a few months ago, it was a Jim Gaffigan, his sketch. And he's like talking about like, you know, we give up other things and we don't get the same reaction as we do about drinking. Like, and he brought up the example of mayonnaise, like you don't drink or you don't eat mayonnaise. Like, you know, why? And asking questions and like, do you mind if I have mayonnaise? And so like my friends had this, like, do you mind if we drink? And I'm like, of course not. And I, I, I am so grateful that they asked me because you never know, like, you know, with my dad, I didn't drink around my dad because he was an alcoholic. Um, and some people may be more sensitive. So I appreciate my friends asking me, but no, I have no, no judgments. I do not look at things on barstool sports with girls falling over in college drinking as a judgment because I have walked in those boots many times and they are muddy and I've been there. Um, so I don't want any of my friends or anyone in my life to ever feel they're being judged. Cause that's one thing that was hard with me and what I got therapy with is I, I told my therapist, I said, I don't want mom, like my friends or family members to feel like I'm judging them for them drinking. And cause I don't, and I, you know, swear on my life on that. I don't at all. And so I was really afraid that I would peer, I would appear like high and mighty and that I, you know, was doing better. It's kind of like when you start eating healthier or working out more, you're afraid that people are going to be like, well, I don't work out. I wonder if she's like analyzing my body or judging what I'm eating on my plate or, you know, that I have dessert. And it's no, no, I don't judge anyone. I am way too old and <laughs> I have way too much empathy inside of me from my years of growing and learning to judge anyone. Um, I want to talk about my brutally honest moment. This is my new segment where I just give you a little tidbit of just something honest that I confess it may not be a huge deal, but I think it's good to bring out, you know, if we're going to be honest, let's be honest. So my brutally honest moment is this past Christmas Eve, we are Jewish, but we host Christmas Eve from my side of the family that's um, Catholic. And my parents love Prosecco and they brought over some bottles of Prosecco and champagne. And I'm like, you know what? And I got this advice from my therapist, which we'll talk about towards the end of the episode. I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to try and just see what my body does. Cause one piece of advice that I'll talk about again is my, my therapist said, you know, just be curious during all this, you know, just be curious, you know, see if you acknowledge, if you have a feeling or a desire and just, you know, see what happens. So I had a half of a flute, um, poured of Prosecco, one of my favorites. I love anything bubbly. And I had literally a half of that glass. So a half of a half. (laughs) 
And I put my hand out to stir a pot. And then it was kind of dangling because someone just like asked me a question. So I stopped stirring, turned to my left and my right hand was kind of hovering with a spoon. And my husband, after I was done and I returned, he's like, look at your hand right now. And it was trembling and shaking. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? And so I, I'm like, okay, <laughs> stopped. And I didn't drink anymore. And then that night I slept so horribly. I woke up the next morning with anxiety, same feelings that I've had. And I looked at Bobby and I said, that's it. <laughs> that's my sign. <laughs> you know, I can't do it. I can't do it. And that's okay. I will tell you this, everyone, restaurants out there are, if you've got an incredible bartender, they will make you mocktails like you would not believe. I had a mojito in a Mexican restaurant because I loved mojitos. Again, the fizz. And the bartender made this virgin um, mojito mocktail. It tasted exactly like a mojito just no booze in it. And I slept amazingly and woke up fine. And I was like, that was incredible. So know that the bartenders and mixologists out there are more than happy to mix you something up. And there's a lot of lines out there too, that seem to be coming out with, you know, non-alcoholic versions of the fun stuff. So that was my brutally honest moment. I tried it. I was curious and then I connected to what it was doing to me. And I said, you know what? That sealed the deal. That sealed the deal. Ah, so another challenge that I think moms have and I had, and this was one of my challenges that I went to therapy for, the mom wine life connection and connecting with other women, other moms, feeling that alcohol is that doorway and connection to let yourself loose, let your lips loose, conversation seems easier, funnier. I felt it was so hard for me to let go of that with giving up drinking. And one of the things I talked to Tiffany Louise about that I was afraid that I wasn't going to be fun, have anything to talk about, that people wouldn't invite me because drinks were involved. Okay. None of this happened by the way, but I had to talk to her to to recognize that, that I am still fun, sober. I'm still a ball of laughs. I am outgoing still. My personality and identity are still there. And a lot of times my friends, I don't even think notice that I'm not drinking. I've actually feel like I've been more outgoing, maybe to overcompensate and, you know, until I'm more comfortable, but we feel that we have this like connection with the wine and drinking. And that's our connector, you know, going out for drinks, going out for dinner and drinks, going out to ax throwing with drinks, going to a comedy club with drinks, everything, you know, brunch with mimosas, everything involving alcohol. And it doesn't have to, and it does, it's fine if everyone else is and you're the lone ranger, that's okay. But can there be other ways that you can connect Maybe you go to a wellness night at your local yoga studio. 
maybe you do a fitness class together. Maybe you go on a walk along, you know, in your, a forest preserve by your house, a bike ride, canoeing, kayaking, um, paddleboard surfing. You, there's so many things that we can do. I know it's hard if you're in the Midwest with this weather, but how can we connect with other moms? Also, how can we relax and disconnect from the stress without looking at wine as the answer or alcohol or whatever your choice you know, is? How do we have the tools to get through the stress that is inevitable in motherhood and life and career? Do we know our outlets and what is going to fuel us and make us, you know, fill us with endorphins to want to change and do better and break through the stress? And do we have solutions that go beyond relying on something that depresses us eventually, brings us down and we escape from the reality instead of dealing with it and gaining confidence on how to navigate and break through. It's kind of like that quote from Mignon McLaughlin that I said in the beginning, courage can't see around corners, but goes around them anyways. And for me, alcohol, a lot of times didn't allow me to, to see around the corner. It made me want to stay where I was at on the other side of the corner instead of dealing and breaking through and figuring it out. And hardships are going to happen. Hard days, losing friendships, losing jobs, losing a fan, you know, someone to death, um, motherhood struggles and stress. It's all going to be in our lives at some point. So if it's going to be in our lives at some point, why don't we figure out how to handle it on our own in our pure, clear form of ourselves and what we are instead of something that isn't us and that we're escaping, you know, from. Um, so, you know, finding that support then is really, you know, helpful. I found the support with my coach and I've also found support with reading and podcasts to get through and just talking about it with my family and friends and acknowledging that this was what I was doing and finding that a hundred percent of the people, well, 99, 99% of the people that I told supported me a hundred percent, never questioned it. were proud of me. They encouraged me. So many of them were like, well, we're not going to do it, but we're all for you doing it. And I was like, that's totally cool. That's totally fine. So we all have these struggles and that's what support therapy, whatever helps you is there for. So we can learn and grow. That's what books, podcasts, positive social media accounts, your community, community, your religious community. That's what they're all there for, to help you through it. We can't do this alone but we also don't wanna escape and be even more alone. So I think a good goal for us all to have are ways we can release, connect, learn, grow, and find a world outside of motherhood. So like I was saying, is there a yoga class that you can go to religiously? Meditation classes, my yoga studio has those, walks with friends, talking on the phone on your walk versus texting your friends coffee with another mom that can help you. Maybe you do an art class because you love art and you do that once a week for an hour. Anything that doesn't involve alcohol and test it out. 
So, so you don't always associate alcohol with de-stressing. You can associate it with just having a good time with friends or at a wedding or New Year's. You don't have to associate it with escape and, you know, you know, all those, the icky stuff that we're talking about here that end up giving you even more anxiety and stress in the long run. It comes back tenfold in my experience. So my sources that I have in the show notes, I've got an awesome article by Good Therapy. I've got a great podcast by Megan Swan of the Recovery Podcast. I have two books, one by my friend Kelly Kitley, it's called Myself and The Naked Mind, which is by Annie Grace. They both have great Instagram accounts as well. But to also add to those Instagram accounts is my friend Shelly, and she is going to be a guest on this podcast talking about the subject. She is a therapist and her handle is Transforming Chronically, which I love that handle name. So someone failed to mention that just because I drank the way I did in my teens to my 30s didn't mean it would translate to my world of motherhood. Someone failed to mention that I needed to connect to my true identity without having the she's so fun, funny, outgoing, energetic label when I drank. Someone didn't tell me that my history with anxiety and depression would link to the way my body dealt with alcohol as I got older. That when I hit my 40s and my body changed even more, that alcohol doesn't really work well with some women hitting perimenopause. Yeah, no one educates you on that. I had to find that in a book, like I said, and that was pure luck. Someone failed to mention that I could find other ways to deal with stress, that I could go out with friends, not drink and still be fun, that there would be so many around me that would support my decision and encourage me to live a life where I was more confident in how I was navigating it. If you don't want advice, here are my words of encouragement. If you have any feelings inside that something isn't working, know you have support here to be curious, talk, and avoid any judgment. In the words of Annie Grace with her book, The Naked Mind, the great thing about choosing compassion and sympathy over pity And change is that it creates the space for transparency and for building trust rather than abdicating guilt. I love that. If you do want advice, here are three things that helped me. One, start with curiosity. That is one of the pieces of advice from Tiffany Louise, my coach and therapist, So she, in the second piece of advice, they tie in together is avoid an all or nothing goal. So when I started talking to her about this subject and my desire to work with her, um, when we had our first initial session, she's like, we're going to go into this with curiosity because I wasn't, um, there wasn't anything dangerous going on with me. I, what, you know, there was nothing she was concerned about. So, you know. this is different for everyone. If there is something that you're very concerned about, this may not work for you. But for me, that um, where I was just paying attention (laughs) to how the few drinks I would even have a month, how it was, you know, with my body and whatever, and the fears of socially giving it up and like, you know, the mental 
the mental um, detox that I needed to do to give up alcohol. So she said, you know, let's just be curious, you know, see what happens when you don't drink. And if there's a, like, I was concerned because there was a weekend, a girl's weekend. And I was like, you know, what am I, I'm really nervous about that weekend and not drinking or wanting to drink and being torn. And she's like, well, pay attention to your feelings, be curious. If you want to have a drink, see what it feels like and go from there. So not saying, you know, and I don't ever believe in this in any way, unless there's something serious going on, but like with, and with our diet culture, with a lot of habits and things that we have out there that we may want to eventually get rid of the word is eventually we sometimes go in with this all or nothing eggs in one basket thing. And it can be extremely depleting if you, God forbid, make a mistake or have a little slip up and then you tend to get, you know, fed up and give up. So she really put that ease in my mind of just being curious to not sit there and declare I'm giving up it forever and to have the dialogue of like, you know, I'm just curious and just seeing how my body feels, seeing how my mind feels, seeing how situations feel. And that weekend, that girls weekend that we went away, that was in July. I did have a drink one night, one drink, and I slept like crap felt like crap the whole next day. Yeah. From one drink. (laughs) Um, and I was like, okay, (laughs) that helped me with my decision. And, you know, again, with just with Christmas Eve, I was curious. It had been a lot, you know, a while. How would my body feel? I felt like I needed maybe a little bit of reassurance and boy, did I get it. And number three, be around people that support you and don't criticize you or make you feel like you're doing something to betray them. Um, I've found that the people that didn't support me, which I'm grateful or have, like I said, 95% have supported me, but the few that have not, um, it's, I had a real, I had to realize that it was about them. I was still me. I was still fun. I may not party till three in the morning, but I'll party till 1130. I'll still laugh and tell fun stories and be the same person that I've always been. And if you want to drink, that's totally cool. But if I don't, I'm not judging you. I'm not placing this judgment blanket on anyone. So I just had to realize that my friends, friends that did have issues, that was their own little issues and words in their head and and maybe some struggles in their head. And you know, I had to release that and just be me and do and honor what I needed to do. All right. These are a few of my favorite things. Suja or Suya, S-U-J-A, organic cold press juices. So I just had the lemon love, which is purified water, lemon, stevia, and cayenne. So just the right amount of sweet and spicy, organic, vegan, no preservatives, no added flavors, but still delicious. So I'll have a link, um, find them at your local health food store, but there's links, um, to find these juices. They're so good. My closing inspiration and source is from the woman I've spoken about a few times now, Annie Grace with her book, the naked mind, her quote from her preface in her book. I've never been happier. I'm having more fun than ever. It's as if I have woken up from the matrix 
and realized that alcohol was only dulling my senses and keeping me trapped rather than adding to my life. I know you may find this hard, if not impossible to believe. That's okay, but I can give you the same freedom, the same joy, and the same control over alcohol in your life. A journey that empowers you rather than rendering you powerless. A journey that does not involve the pain of deprivation. So the reason, so this book, Annie, and her Instagram page and her podcast, she helps people get through um, their relationship with alcohol. And I like the message that she has um, about the subject of deprivation. Like she's not telling you, you know, you have to give it up and this and that, and it's evil and bad. It's kind of like, you got to figure out your relationship and road with it, what it's doing for you, what it's not doing for you. Find the dance that works for you and find that, you know, if you don't give up alcohol hundred percent, that's totally fine. If you're finding a way where it makes your life you know, good and not, you know, like my examples of my health and, you know, was being affected amongst just some other things that I was dealing with that are unique to me. Your story is unique. Your feelings are unique and your journey is unique. So remember that. I just hope that this episode just makes you curious and aware, just like my mom, when I left for college, she wasn't saying you're going to become an alcoholic because your dad was, and you can never drink. (laughs) That's not the message I'm here for. It's just, my mom was saying for me just to be aware, to pay attention, like anything in life, you could exercise too much. And if your knees are killing you, maybe you know, the jump squats aren't working for you anymore. And you got to bring it down to a low impact exercise and take it down a notch. All right. So this can bleed into any part of your life. All right. We are all here to support one another. We're here to just talk and be honest and acknowledge our feelings and challenges. And I'm here to do that with you. And I'm excited to have more about this topic with some guests that I'll have and to get some more, more resources for you just to keep in the back of your mind. And I just appreciate you so much for listening. I look forward to connecting with you again next week with another episode of the Honest Mom Podcast. Until then, make one small step towards your honest motherhood. Thank you so much for listening to the Honest Mom Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a review or comment so I can give you the content you deserve. To learn more, including what I offer to moms, check out michellemansfieldauthor.com. Most importantly, if you know a mom that needs to hear the words you heard today, please share the love and let's create a community of moms being honest for all of us.